Good evening, Philadelphia Eagles fans, Bird Down Under. We are here, week two, in the books, and I have with me the very, our very own Kiwi Glenn. Kiwi Glenn, introduce yourself. Good evening, good morning, ladies and gents. Uh, welcome to myself. I have heard my name mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, and unfortunately was overseas for the last couple of weeks, but very excited now to be back with Tom, hopefully watching every game for the rest of the season in person. There is no hopefully about it. You will be. Um, by the way, Kiwi Glenn is a Kiwi, um, but unfortunately has the worst Kiwi accent of anybody I know from that fair country. So, Glenn, if you can work on your Kiwi accent, actually give us a taste of what it should sound like. <laughs> the Kiwi accent? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, as, that's as good as I got. I've been fuddling with some switches and I think I've got this podcast sorted. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, that's what we need. Uh, we, we need really Murray from Flight of the Concords in the studio with us, but we have Glenn. Uh, Glenn, we've just watched the Eagles kick the living crap. I'm allowed to say that. It's my podcast. I can say whatever I want. We just watched them kick the crap out of the Minnesota Vikings in week two. What a game. I, for me, I've followed with Tom for quite a few seasons now. I'm trying to think, what, 2012, 13? Somewhere yeah, around there. Whenever I think we're at least 10 years now. Back back the the Michael Vick, the Andy Reid, the, the, uh, that sort of days that... Uh, Jeremy Macklin days and and we've seen some good years and some bad years and this year I have to say is starting off pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's um we have been on a bit of a roller coaster with this team and everybody tonight um Glenn and I are doing like the Lady of the Tramp mic sharing. So anyone who knows Lady of the Lady and the Tramp, the Disney movie where there's the meatball scene where the two dogs are eating meatballs together and they suck like the pasta and all of a sudden end up kissing. Glenn and I are close enough that we could kiss. Oh, oh, was that too close? Oh, that's romantic. So we're going to try and keep the audio quality good, but it may end up in us embracing. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Two men embracing on air is, is gorgeous. Um, but yeah, Glenn, you know what? Let's start out with you giving us a little bit of background because you're an interesting one. You, you know, raised in New Zealand, not raised whatsoever watching American football. Uh, your annoying Canadian friend Tom talks you into becoming a fan of this team. So let's call it a decade. Let's call this what we've been watching this for a decade together. What initially drew you in on this sport? Well, I, I guess initially I wanted to hang out with Tom and watch the sport. And I, I like technical sports. I like Formula One. I like things you've got to think about. I like the thinking person sport. And so when I started watching, I thought, well, this is fun. We get to drink a few beers and, you know, when Tom cheers, I'll cheer and a couple of high fives and, and we dance around. And then when the team's losing, we, we, you know, we just be a bit quiet, I think. And so originally that's how I started out. And then I started getting into the technicalities of the game. With Tom's knowledge, there's so much to, uh, to learn. And I started really getting into it. And I remember the first time, the first technical thing Tom explained to me was what a screenplay is. And, and I thought, oh, that's why they're letting them all through. And then ever since then, you, you, you go from watching the ball and watching what the quarterback does to, to watching what the offensive and defensive line does. And that's when it all started to click. And you actually start to see the game as a whole, a whole moving piece rather than just watching the quarterback and the ball. And, and so for me, that's when I really started learning and, and really, really appreciate it. And, and now, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a passion. Well, it's great to watch these games with you week in and week out. It's certainly, uh, it, it, uh, it's, it's neat too because we watch them asynchronously. We don't tri typically watch them live because they're rarely on live for us. So we're, you know, we're watching these things. I've generally managed to keep them radio silent, although occasionally I have to, uh, you know, pretend that I haven't seen the game. And anyway, it's, it's been awesome to have you on, on this journey for the last decade. 
Um, but let's talk about this game tonight because Eagles win 24-7. They were actually up 24-7 at the half, um, which would kind of give you the indication the second half was boring. It actually wasn't. It was full action. But let's break down the good first. Um, and we'll, let's start with, I think, the player of the game. You'd argue on offense, it's not argue, it's Jalen Hurts. I mean, the guy was, I think it's his best performance as a Philadelphia Eagle tonight. It's the kind of game that we were hoping we could see from him. And, and the Vikings coming into this, they had soundly beaten the Green Bay Packers last week. And if you remember when Melvin Mike or Cowboy Mike came on, he talked about his favorite Cowboys moment being the Cowboys upsetting the, the Packers. The Packers are annually a good good team they've got Aaron Rodgers who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league the Vikings soundly beated Aaron Rodgers and that squad last week from Green Bay so coming into this there was a lot of people out there myself included were really nervous about playing the Vikings um, the one thing we did have going for us is Kirk Cousins the quarterback of the Vikings is notoriously brutal on Monday Night Football and he showed that tonight like he just doesn't like pressure and then on the flip side of that Jalen Hurts our guy just seems to thrive under the big the big lights you know the the big stage Monday night football is just not too big for him and in short he was incredible tonight he you know equal measures mostly actually his arm 333 yards passing which randomly if you saw the broadcast equaled Michael Vick's massive 2010 Monday night performance against the Redskins um he was you know, great, great with his legs. He had two big runs, a couple of nice touchdowns. Um, Glenn, what were your thoughts on Jalen? I, th- I think initially, uh, what we saw is last week his passes to um, Brown were were just like every second ball. But this week he really spread it around. I I don't know how many different receivers he had, but it seemed to go. I mean, there were still quite a few decent passes to Brown, especially that that long pass and some ones down the center for good ten yards gained. But it was really spread around the field and that was something we didn't see last week and something we commented on needed to be done. So that was my take on, on why we did a lot better this week. Um, and then he had to be respected. The whole team had to respect, be respected after that. Yeah, it's a great point. And let's, let's go to that, that point that you raised in relation to AJ Brown last week, number 11, AJ Brown was, was incredible in his debut. Um, you know, 155 yards, you know, just looked amazing, but, you know, one of the criticisms I had post game was that Jalen just seemed a little too dependent on AJ this week. Uh, and one I think I said was Devonte Smith, number six, needed to be involved. He's too good not to be. This week, first play to Devonte. Devonte ends up being the leading receiver on the team. This is what makes us so dangerous this year. And you and I were discussing this mid game. The Eagles have very, I would argue they've never had the combination of receiver talent that they have right now between A.J. Brown, um, Devontae Smith, Kez Watkins, Zach Pascal, the number four guy, and then Dallas Goddard at the tight end. They're just, they're loaded. And if they can stay healthy, and again, you'll, you're, you'll hear me weave that in pretty much every podcast. If they can stay healthy, this team like genuinely could make the Super Bowl run. But health is the key, right? We've seen so many good squads derailed by injuries. And the Eagles have reasonable depth, but like... Uh, it was great though to see you know Dallas Goddard doing his thing, um, Kez Watkins, sixty yard or whatever it was, fifty five yard touchdown pass, wide open. The guy's a burner, so you know it's just it, Jalen really took that step tonight to say, hey, like I can be a big time passing quarterback in this league. I don't have to just you know uh, revolve my game around running. Although his running was pretty damn good, including that touchdown run. Um, so I've taken some notes. I know you and I were collectively taking notes as to what we wanted to talk about. You know, the first thing I'm going to mention is not the play of the game. Actually, was on a very negative play where the Eagles field goal unit actually had a kick blocked, which is not good. Um, 
Uh, their backup tight end, Noah Tagoya or something, badly missed Patrick Peterson on the outside who came in, blocked a kick. The Vikings pick the ball up, are running back, trying to score a touchdown, but are tackled by none other, none other than our punter and field goal holder, Aaron Sipos, ex-St. Kilda AFL player, um, makes a sprinting tackle to, to take the guy down, and they don't end up scoring. Um, it's a, it's a great segue just to briefly talk about the Sydney Swans. So this week we've got the grand final coming up, the Sydney Swans playing Geelong. Um, I was saying to you that I, I have managed recently to watch more AFL in the last couple of weeks than I had my whole life up up uh, up until you know this year and it's such a great game and it's it's very cool to think that we have a talented AFL player on our roster and Aaron Sipos you know making it a play tonight that's not in his job description but there he was chasing this guy down um yeah so very cool quickly on the AFL thing because we were talking about this um this is a sport that you've enjoyed what what is it that you like about AFL Glenn uh, when I so from New Zealand, finished universities uh, and came to Sydney, and my brother was over here, and they had season tickets, and a, and a friend who reliably didn't turn up, so I was always a stand-in for the season ticket. Uh, so we went to every game, and it was in the year that the Swans, the Sydney Swans, uh, won every single home game that that season, which is great when you're supporting a team and you're watching it live, and every game they win. Um, the thing I really liked about it, though, is there don't, doesn't really seem to be any rules, and there's basically no stoppage in the game. Uh, the ref doesn't really do much other than waves their arms around to say, continue play. And so as a, as a game to watch live, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, these guys are so fit, and, and the, as I say, the play just does not stop. I remember asking the question, so what happens if the ball goes out? And they just said, well, the, the, the ref, the umpire, just throws it over his head and they're, they're back on again. And that's exactly what happens. And, and game's back on. So really liked that when I first saw it. And um, yeah, and it's lovely to have uh, many players uh, playing in the, in the American Football League um, from, this, from this sport. Because, of course, there's a lot of kicking in it. Yeah, well, and you know, what fascinated me, I didn't realize there's 18 starters on a, on a team at any given time on the field for an AFL team. So there's a lot of talent, all these Australian players, and every one of them has to be able to kick accurately, which is why there's such a demand for Australian Football League um, kickers in the National Football League, because they've all got massive legs, incredibly athletic, as you say. Um, but it was just really cool tonight to see, you know, with the Sydney Swans grand final, you know, looming on the weekend, it's going to be a huge deal for the city. Just seeing our AFL punter make a play like that was very, very cool. So I thought we'd start out with just some Australian content. Just on that, Jordan Marlotta tonight, I think he played okay. Um, he did have a penalty or two. He had a well-earned holding penalty on, um, on a pass rush where he definitely deserved his penalty. Um, so, you know, Jordan by and large, kept Jalen reasonably clean, i.e. didn't get hit too much. He did allow a sack early in the game. I, I do kind of more blame that on Jalen for running out of the pocket. Um, but I think Jordan has yet to kind of hit his stride. You know, I think a lot of the, the big guys are still trying to just get the rust off from the preseason because they didn't play much. So, um, you know, that's the Australian update. So jo Jordan, a decent game. Aaron Sipos, you know, uh, unremarkable as a punter, but making big tackles. Um so some other comments, we've obviously talked about George, uh, Devontae Smith's usage, Kez Watkins, the third receiver, making a huge play down the sidelines, also just making a couple nice grabs, one of them um, taken back by penalty, but, you know, really, really played exceptionally well. Um, but I think, you know, and actually I should say this, uh, Miles Sanders, again, has an efficient game running. He just seems to be a little bit more decisive running the football this year. Miles Sanders is our running back. Um, and previously just danced a lot behind the line of scrimmage, would lose a lot of yards, 
just seemed to always run to the sidelines and get tackled for a couple of yards when he should have just run it straight up the middle. And he just seems to be a little bit more decisive now, picking a hole, running, or being patient and waiting for the hole to open up. And we saw that again tonight. Um, what are your thoughts on Miles Sanders? I guess the question for me, and, and this is this is where Tom's knowledge comes in well above mine, is do you think that is because of how the offensive line played, um, creating more holes for him, or do you think it's just his game plan? Like was his was his game plan that the bit that was at fault before, or was it the offensive line that's really stepped up? It's a fair comment, and I think it's a combination of two things. I think you know Miles is just a little bit more comfortable with the scheme now. Last year it was a new scheme for everybody, uh, and as we were discussing halfway through the game today, um, last year the Eagles had a really rough start. They played six really strong teams out of the gate. They lost most of those games predictably, and then Nick Sirianni, the head coach, uh, was a big enough person to say. I'm not doing a good job calling plays. So he handed the play calling over to Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. And you can't argue with the results. I mean, Shane right now is on a roll. The Eagles have been like incredible on offense two weeks in a row. Um, but Shane's offense obviously has done a better job of balancing run and pass, whereas under Nick at the beginning of last year, they weren't running the ball. So I think like with Jalen and all the rest of the skill position players, Miles Sanders is just adjusting to the scheme that, that Shane runs. Obviously, the Eagles offensive line is, is really adept at run blocking. And so I think he's just starting to learn, hey, my big guys are going to move people around. And if I'm patient and I wait, the whole will open up. So I think it's just a maturation on his part and also just a recognition by the team that we have to stick to the running game. It may be one or two yards here or there, but then all of a sudden we'll bust it for 15 yards. Uh, and if it's not Miles Sanders, it's Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell. Um, so yeah, a, a lot to like there, but it's encouraging to see Miles playing better one, one way or another. Now, I think that's probably good um, you know, focus on the offense, but we really need to turn our attention to the defense because I'll tell you what, um, if there's an MVP on defense, it's pretty, pretty clear to anybody who watched it. It was our cornerback number two, Darius Slay. He was manned up all night. And what does that mean? Um, being manned up is where you are man-to-man -man coverage against another player on the opposite team. So it's really you against that person who can, who, if, and as a corner, if you can cover that receiver one-on-one, -on -one, it allows the defense to be a lot more flexible in the things they can do. The problem with the Vikings is they have the best receiver in the league in Justin Jefferson, or the second best receiver in the league, I guess, depending who you ask, um, who'd come into this game on a historic rate of receiving yards and receptions, etc. And Darius was the better player tonight. He had two interceptions. He had multiple pass breakups. He probably could have had four interceptions. He was absolutely incredible. What, what did you What did you think about Darius tonight? Uh, I I think his play was amazing. That the thing that got me is when a team is doing well, when all the team is gelling, does that sort of raise everybody up? Because what I saw is a lot more confidence in the one on one. It'd be very easy just to cover him back in back in the days when we would be expecting these ten yard throws and, and we would just sort of stop him from getting any more. It felt like he really had the confidence to just he knew what was happening and to play his his game. And because of that the interceptions came through. Yeah, I think confidence is a big thing. He was playing very confident tonight. Like he just, you know what, I'm going to bring my A game here. And if it's good enough, it's good enough. If it's not, it's not. I think you're right. I, I definitely got the sense that he was just kind of like, hey, this is, you know, if I'm going to be manned up on the, you know, arguably the best receiver in the league. Well, if I don't bring my A game and, and I, um, did they say it at the end there? Uh, anyway, I mean, he, he looks, and he looks hurt too. I mean, 
He was limping around, um, limping around, got pulled out of the game late. He waved off Zach McPherson, the backup corner who came out to relieve him right before his amazing leaping interception in the end zone to pretty much finish the game. So uh, just a remarkable performance by Darius Slay. But I would say, like, you know, uniformly, the defense, there was a lot of big knockdowns of passes. So James Bradbury, our new corner, number 24, had a nice pass breakup. Uh, T, um, TJ Edwards, our linebacker, he played a hell of a game. Um, he had a, a nice pass breakup. He had a couple of big pressures. He was actually blitz, blitzed a few times, so he was chasing the quarterback, which you don't get to see him do very often. Um, strong and run defense. So TJ Edwards was really exceptional to watch. Uh, nice to see the defensive line. You know, we had a couple of sacks from Josh Sweat. One of them called back for uh, for holding or uh, for face mask, which he did unfortunately earn. Um, by the way, we we're commenting how much we love Josh Sweat's uh, sack dance. So he does like a wiping of the brow. You know, playing off his last name, which is a pretty cool little sack dance. Fletcher Cox, another sack. Um, but the defense tonight, they really rose to the occasion. They also shut down Dalvin Cook. What were your observations of the defense, Glenn? I, I mean, one of the things I wanted to bring up about defense was uh, when we were uh, drafting way back when Jalen Rager came on board, and this is going to open Tom up for for a bit of a, a rant, I know. Uh, what we saw is um, we, we drafted him ahead of um, Jefferson. Uh, and uh, and tonight, what it was amazing the first time Rager was on the field to take the uh, punt return. And we, we were sitting there going, why is, why is the crowd booing? Why is the crowd booing? And of course, because he was the one taking the punt return. And so once he got that punt return uh, and he was stopped basically on his mark, then you know, the crowd goes to a cheer. Um, so yeah, putting, I didn't I guess I didn't really answer your question, but that was one observation uh, that I wanted to throw out there for your comment, Tom. Yeah, it was hilarious. You're right. We're just both sitting there puzzled. Like, why is everybody so loud? What are they booing about? What are we missing? And and sure enough, and again, just a little bit more depth of that. So in the 2019 draft, every draft analyst has the Eagles drafting Jalen Rager. And I think I've already taken everybody through this when we got rid of him. But we should have drafted Justin Jefferson, who got taken by the next pick by the Vikings, who sprinted up to the podium to hand their pick in because I couldn't believe the Eagles were so silly to have passed over this guy. Sure enough, they were right. Eagles were wrong. Jalen Rager's randomly been tra- uh, traded to the Vikings, and he was booed mercilessly by the Philadelphia fans tonight. Uh, they don't forget, um, when you're a first-round bust, Philadelphia is a tough place to play. And uh, yeah, he was reminded of that tonight. It was uh, it was relentless, and the poor guy. You know, I mean, he didn't he didn't succeed in Philly for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, I think you know, playing under Carson Wentz, no receiver has ever really done well under Carson Wentz, so that's a tough way to start. And last year, you know, he really lost his confidence. He had a couple of really monumental drops, which were really you know tough. And I think he's a pretty sensitive, emotional guy, so I, I think that was tough for him. But um, yeah, it was an excellent point, and it was on my list, and I was. I was thinking how we were going to weave that in, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know how we'll weave it in. You ask me a question, I'll completely not answer it and then throw you onto it. That worked. Um, but back to your original question uh, about defense. So Maddox, I thought, is a, is a name we haven't mentioned, and he did extremely well as, uh, in his defense as well. So that was just uh, yeah another name I wanted to throw in for your comment. Yeah, great point. Avante Maddox, our slot corner. Um, so the slot corner is kind of the third. Generally speaking, a team plays with two cornerbacks. In this case, it's Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Those are the guys tasked with covering the two top receivers from the other team. And then you have a slot corner who covers the kind of third receiver who generally is a shiftier player who plays in the slot, um, which, you know, visually it's kind of hard. You need to see what I'm describing, but they play closer to the line, closer to the offensive lineman. Um, 
And Avante Maddox had a huge interception tonight. He's a little shorter, um, super feisty guy, just really coming to his own. He's one of the best slot corners in the league now. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great point. And the whole secondary, I think, played pretty exceptionally. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is looking more comfortable in his safety role this week. Marcus Epps, again, you know, big hit, uh, just... He just, he's sound out there. You know, you don't even really think about it. But, you know, this is a guy who hasn't played that much football. And all of a sudden, he's he's playing really sound, good quality football. And he has a big hit every game. So the secondary really, really played well tonight. One negative observation I'd make is our first-round rookie, Jordan Davis. Second week in a row, he just looks gassed. He looks very tired, totally out of shape. He's a big man, but like he's playing limited snaps and just doesn't look like he can even handle those snaps. So a little bit of a concern that maybe this year is going to be real learning for Jordan of what kind of shape he has to get himself in. Uh, and hopefully he takes, uh, you know, takes the opportunity to get himself into better shape for the next, you know, the next season. But right now he just looks like a big man with no stamina whatsoever, which was the knock coming out of him of college. This He, he never played that many snaps for the Bulldogs, Georgia Bulldogs. He would play 30 snaps a game. He's not even playing that much, and he definitely looks tired, and he's not getting much push in the pass, pass rush. So now, we shut down the running game of the Vikings tonight. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the league. He had very little success against the defense. So I would dare say that Jordan Davis would have had a fairly large hand in that, no pun intended, but uh, certainly a little bit of a concern for me that you know so far he isn't making much of an impact, and his, his teammate at Georgia, N'Kobe Dean, number 17, our linebacker, isn't really getting on the field other than um, special teams, which again is, is a little disappointing two weeks in a row. Um, one of the things that I have, a couple of the bad points, uh, the, the Kenny Gainwell interception off his hands late in the game, um, the middle screen pass that, uh, that Jalen Hurts threw, that was not great. I mean, certainly could have been a really catastrophic play had the defense not been playing as well as they had. Um, and, you know, you have to comment to the fact that the defense um, kept kept them, you know, kept that game where it was, you know, in kind of on ice 24-7 for the whole second half. But the offense really kind of went down into kind of slow play mode. They just ran the ball. They were pretty content to just run the clock out. But um, it was a little disconcerting to see the fact that the offense really didn't score any points in the second half. Uh, any other observations you wanted to share, Glenn? I, th I think uh, especially on that play as well, I mean, my thoughts at that play when they were only halfway down the field or not even halfway down the field, that uh, you don't want to be doing those risky plays with so many bodies around to catch an interception. And especially when you're that far up, you need to be uh, moving the ball consistently without taking risks. So, yeah, strange call for that one. Um, I, I think that the Vikings and their last drive kind of gave up towards the end. So they were just not putting the ball out. They were keeping it in play. So just burning up chunks of time um, with, uh, with that sort of deficit of 24 to 7, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, I think the last uh, like four minutes of play from the Vikings could almost be written off stats-wise. Um, but that's a full credit to the team for getting to where they, they were in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one question for you, Tom injuries we're, we're not doing too badly are we no and i mean this is this was the whole preseason approach was don't play the starters in the preseason don't hit too much just get everybody the regular season and it seems to be paying off you know two weeks in a row now we've been the better team we're healthy um and i think you're going to see this can this trend continue right when the good teams and i think you can count the eagles among those teams are are showing that in the preseason you you know a healthy team is more important than a team that ran themselves into the ground i think um you know, this is the key to the season, right? Uh, major injuries will undo this team, as will, you know, if if Jalen Hurts can play like this every week, pff, 
we're going to be tough to beat. But it, it, you know, we're going to see a regression to the mean for Jalen at some stage. It's in, inevitable. Um, but yeah, the injuries is, is or lack thereof is really great. Hopefully, Darius Slay is okay because again, he was pretty hobbled. He took a pretty hard shot um, on the ground when he came down with that near interception in the end zone. Um, hey, Glenn, I mentioned to you we paused the game just to have a little dissection of the Wallabies All Blacks game on Thursday night. So just a bit of a pivot to rugby union. So there is a cup played for every year. The Wallabies and the, the so the Wallabies, the Australian Wallabies is the Australian rugby union team. The All Blacks is the New Zealand national rugby team. I think probably everybody's heard of the All Blacks. They're one of the most famous sports you know teams in the world. They play for something called the Bledisloe Cup every year, which is Australia versus New Zealand. Australia has not beat New Zealand in the Bledisloe Cup in 15 years, is it? Possibly longer. And on Thursday night, we were playing the All Blacks in Melbourne. And the Wallabies were up like right at the end of the game. And there was a really, really controversial call where the French referee, yes, you heard it, a French referee, made this insane call where he said the Wallabies were delaying the game and he just... He gave the ball back to the All Blacks, and the All Blacks won right at the end, and the Bledisloe Cup was lost, and it's back in the hands of the All Blacks. And, you know, my comment to you was, A, no game should ever be decided on something as arbitrary as that refing decision, because he made it. He did not have to make it that way. Um, he made it. But how great it is that the NFL has more checks and balances with these things, where you can't have one ref just interpreting the rules how they want and, and making a call so pivotal and just literally handing the ball to the other team and they win. Um I did run into, again, the ex-captain of the Wallabies, Michael Hooper today, who's my neighbor, and had a five-minute chat with him about it because he was flabbergasted. You know, he, this is a guy who's played hundred, at least 100 test matches as the captain of the Wallabies, um, and he was he'd never seen anything like it. So it does make me appreciate some of the structure and the refing in the National Football League. It can be overbearing, and I know Australians generally do complain, oh, it's so slow, you know, it's so frustrating, it's just the games take so long, and it it's you know it's hard to argue with that however when you see the wallabies lose in that fashion to the all blacks the way they did it does make you appreciate the checks and balances that do exist in the national football league and it's a shame that rugby union doesn't have a little bit more of that to keep it fair but uh i'm not going to let you comment on that glenn because you're an all black supporter no i'm kidding um you're not back supporter i think you would agree you never want to see a big game in any code of sport ever um and you gave us an f1 example but uh any thoughts on that yeah i mean i I, half my life in New Zealand, half in Australia, but of course I go for New Zealand. The the thing is the All Blacks had the ball and they were winning and if they just held on to the ball, but they, they lost it in the previous play through their own fault, through through you know fair means. And so they were pretty dirty for that. And so then to have the ball handed straight back to them, for what I agree was uh, there's never been, that penalty's never been really awarded before for, for that. That was a that was a one-off. And to have that decide the game, that... That's disappointing. Uh, I like to see a good a good game uh, between Australia and New Zealand, especially because they're the they're the, the big rivals. Just as a, a side note, I was in a, a bar in New Zealand uh, many years ago, a couple of years ago, watching cricket. Um, so twenty twenty cricket, which is about a three hour game, not the five day version. And uh, Australia was playing New Zealand, and it's, it's a rough type of bar. And uh, Australia. Uh, let's you know New Zealand gets a decent number of runs on the board, and and then Australia's turn to bat. And uh, I made the comment of as Australia were not doing very well. I made the comment that um, 
uh, I, I really hope that you know it's a good game because you know it, a better game is a close game, and if it's just a, a whitewash, then it's not much fun. Anyway, it tended it turned out to be an extremely close game, and it went down to the last couple of minutes. And I was watching my back because this very rough bar was uh, looking at me strangely as I was the one commenting, "I hope Australia comes back," and I was making my way to the exit. Uh, quite quickly and then New Zealand finally did win and I could take my seat again and didn't have to buy around for everybody in the bar but New Zealand Australia rivalry is is very huge in any sport and so to see a rugby game decided like that nah, that wasn't good um, especially as to keep the Bledisloe Cup we just have to beat them in one of these two games the second of which is in New Zealand at a place called Eden Park where nobody has beaten the All Blacks and I think the last 20 years it's a ridiculous stat if you want to look one up that yeah all blacks have not been beaten in 20 years so that game's still going to be played and it's going to be a, a, a you know a pointless game although it does go towards other competitions um but yeah it would have been lovely to see the the competition go down to that game that would have been fun yeah agreed disappointing but again you know turning this back to the nfl just great that the nfl does have a system where you can challenge calls um, and one ref can't just make a crazy call at the end of the game um, that's just completely out of the blue. So uh, just pivoting to fish watch tonight, um, Jerkfish, I'm worried about Snaily. i got to tell you, Snail has not had a good day. He's been floating around the tank. I've had to rescue him a couple times. Uh, Jerkfish has you know, been swimming around looking at Snail. I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about Snail's health. I'm not sure this is going to end well for him. So for all the Snail fans on the podcast, I'm just, I want to set you up now to just know that his days may be numbered. Um, and Glenn, you know, if that happens again, we're, uh, John's already agreed. Um, Tennessee John's going to play some sort of a ballad. I think he said cheap trick or, um, warrant or one of those great love songs, uh, or bands that have love songs, but, um, you may want to join in in the sing-along. Um, just, just saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll play triangle. I, I, I do a mean triangle. I'll certainly help out and, uh, yeah. And I'll say a few words towards Mr. Snail. Although Jerkfish tonight, I mean, I think you should judge him on his performance today. He's actually being quite nice. You know, you think that, but about five minutes ago, he was right beside the snail. And trust me, they're not having conversations about what they thought of the game. Like, that's what Jerkfish does. He's whispering things at him like, I hate you, snail. So, you know, you should just just watch. Like, you know, we're watching this right now. It's riveting (laughs) stuff, people. And I, I know for all the fans of Jerkfish and Snail that only tune into this podcast for this uh, exciting update. Um, right now, he's on his best behavior looking at Glenn like, me? I, no, I haven't done anything wrong, but trust me, he is living up to the nickname Jerkfish for sure. All right, Glenn, um, we've really gone off the rails the last five minutes between uh, Wallaby's talk and Jerkfish update, but I think the fans need to hear what's happening in the tank. Um, an incredible game uh, by the Eagles. It is awesome to have you back in country watching games with me. Uh, I dare say the the fans and the listeners here should really get used to the Kiwi tones of Kiwi Glenn because he is going to be a mainstay on the podcast. Um, poor John, by the way. Tennessee John's team suffered a massive loss to the hands of the Buffalo Bills. So congratulations to all my Canadian friends who are fans of the Buffalo Bills. That team looks extremely strong. I did make a comment. Um, it, you know, Bills Eagles Super Bowl is a very realistic possibility, I think. So that would be an interesting one if that ever came to fruition. That's two rabid fan bases for sure. Anyway, Glenn, it's great to have you back. Um, look forward to... So next week we play the Washington Commanders. Um, 
in Washington, which is Carson Wentz's team. So our ex number 11 quarterback, who you've heard me refer to a couple times in a less than complimentary manner. Uh, big interdivisional game, NFC East. So these games really matter. They do matter more than beating the non-conference game, uh, non-conference teams when it comes to tallying up your wins and losses. So big, big game uh, in Washington. They just lost to the Detroit Lions. So the team that we narrowly beat last week beat the Commanders. You know, Carson Wentz is not good under pressure, and he seems to fold under big games, and there will be a lot of pressure on him to show that the Eagles were wrong and he's right. I don't like his chances. He's never been capable of a big performance in a, in a tough spot, but uh, who knows? Maybe he'll spite me and prove me wrong. But, Glenn, any thoughts on the Commanders game next week? Well, I, I do wonder. I haven't been watching Carson Wentz recently. Well, I can't even watch his jersey because it's been turned into a, uh, a different jersey number, which I, I know Tom mentions every week. So his, uh, his uh, A.J. Brown jersey that uh, put over the number 11. Um, but, yeah, he, he used to scramble a lot in the pocket when he was um, getting in trouble. And, I don't know, jerkfish. Yeah, sure. <laughs> jerkfish is over there. Jerk, just jerk. The snail. That is not <laughs> just as we pointed to him, he's like, who, who me? No, no, no. It's just uh, just up in the corner here. So yeah, back to uh, watching you. Um, so I, I think with our uh, defensive lineman, I, I really don't know if he's going to give them the runaround like he, he could other people in the past. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, getting him routed out of the pocket and uh, losing composure early on in the uh, in the game. Well, it's worth noting that a lot of his ex-teammates are still there on the defensive line. So Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and, and Josh Sweat were all, all on the team when, when Carson kind of gave up on them. Uh, and I assure you that is not forgotten by those defenders. And they will probably have some extra incentive to uh, hit Carson particularly hard. And Carson has a habit of hanging onto the ball too long. So we should get some solid hits on him. Anyway, it's going to be uh, a big interdivisional game. Um, and if the Eagles can get uh, get out of the gates 3-0, and I mean, that is, uh, that is a really, really good start. And we have a pretty soft schedule to begin with. So who knows? Uh, it's entirely feasible the Eagles end up being 4-0 because uh, they play the Jaguars the next week in Philadelphia. Yeah, and they're not a particularly strong team. So, uh, you know, very different to last year, Glenn. If we'd been doing this podcast last year, it would have been like, oh, my God, we got killed by yet another team with a good quarterback. But uh, not so much this year. Anyway, Glenn, again, great to have you. Um, thank you also for bringing the uh, commentary on the Jerkfish. Uh, we'll continue to bring updates live. Well, not live to you, but, uh, you know, certainly we'll, we'll keep them coming. Anyway, Glenn, thanks for coming. Have a great night. See you all next week. Thank you. Later. Bye.